Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. So we've made it to the final week, the final week of our Divine Detour series. Now it's been, it's been four weeks and it feels like it's been 40 years, right? 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Can I make you a promise today? We're going to get the children of Israel. We're going to get the Hebrews into the promised land today. Amen? We're going to get them there, I promise you. We've been studying the Hebrew exodus out of Egypt to the promised land. And I've told you that a detour is a way of getting to a place that is indirect and longer than the usual way and is taken in order to avoid a particular problem or to do something special. That first week, we figured out that God's way is not our way, that God wants to develop us through our detours. And then the second week, we discovered that God's timing is not our timing. It's never a waste of time with God because God is not bound by time. He made time so he can waste as much time as he wants to, right? And then last week, we came to understand that God's destination may not be our destination. Moses was not allowed to enter into the promised land but the, the destination for his life was the presence of God in his life. And, and, and he would not trade the presence of God for the promise any day. And today we're going to discover that the promise may not be what you expected. The promise may not be what you expected. Have you ever been disappointed with an experience? You know, that moment when what actually happened was not what you expected to happen... Maybe it was that book. You were waiting on that book to come out. And, and, you know, for all the readers in the room, you were longing for this book. It finally comes out. You read the book. It doesn't live up to the expectation. Or, or for some of you, you know, moviegoers in the room, there's a movie that you've been waiting, to come, waiting for it to come out. You've got high expectation, but it doesn't live up to the hype. Or, or, or maybe that's that vacation. You've been saving up your money for that vacation. You've got great expectations of what this vacation is going to look like, and the experience was not what you had hoped for. You had your mind set on one thing, but something else happened. And what's even... Worse is when someone tells you something and you only hear part of the details. That's when it really gets sticky because you develop this expectation based on partial information. Had you listened to what was actually said, had you listened to the details, you would have known what was really happening. But you didn't. You heard only what you wanted to hear most seasoned parents in the room, uh, you understand that when communicating with your child, you must be very careful with what you tell them. You may say one thing, but a child has the ability to hear something completely different. You ever notice that? You know, it, maybe it's something like this. For example, you say to your child, hey, I want to sign you up for horse riding lessons. But when they go and visit grandma and grandpa, what comes out of their mouth is mommy and daddy are buying me a new pony. And that's not what you said at all. They have the ability to hear what they want to hear. Or, or maybe you tell your young teen, you know, maybe they're, they're 12, 13 years old, and you tell them, hey, it's time for you to start saving some money for a new car. You start saving money now, and I'm going to help you buy a, a car whenever you turn 16. Now, your definition of new car means a good used running car. You know, it's, 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 it's not new at all. But what they hear is that you're going to buy them, not help buy them, you're going to buy them this brand new 2018 model, and you're paying cash out of your bank account for their new car. That's what they hear, and it's not what you said at all. 
So you have to be careful when communicating with kids, but it's not the only, kids are not the only ones that hear what they want to hear. I know of a lot of adults that hear what, only what they want to hear also. Sometimes people just hear what they want to hear. It's select hearing, selective hearing, and, and well, except when it comes to the names of Laurel and Yanny, but other than that, we... Other than that, we, we hear what we want to hear, don't we? We hear what we want to hear. And the point is, you've got to listen to the details of what's being said. And God is not a God that wants to leave us in the dark. He wants us to know where we're heading, what's going to happen. But we have to listen to the details of what's being said. Though he may not tell you every enemy that you have to face, God will prepare you. He will give you enough words that you will have a mindset going into it ready for battle. And I believe that, that the first Exodus generation, the first ones to come out of Egypt, I believe this is where they went wrong because God gave them a, a promise. He did. We read of this promise in Genesis 15 and 18. Hundreds of years before they were slaves in Egypt, God said to Abram, he said, to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river the river Euphrates. And then to Isaac in Genesis 26 and 3, God said, For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. And then to Jacob in Genesis 28 and 13, he says, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. And then in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 8, God says to the nation of Israel, I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Mm. For generations, the Hebrews, the children of Israel, for generations, they had heard God promising them a land of their own, that they would not have to rely on, on, on anyone else's land, that they would have their own land, their own country. And I believe that when they heard promised land, that they developed expectations. When they heard promised land, I'm promising you this land, they developed some unhealthy expectations. Maybe they thought, well, you know, when we get there, this is going to be a breeze. Or maybe they thought, it's a promised land. When we get there, we will have no enemies. Or maybe when they heard the phrase, flowing with milk and honey, they didn't realize that someone was going to have to milk the cow and swat the bees, right? You hear what you want to hear. And a generation of unholy hope kept them from entering the promised land the first time. Because unholy hope will mess you up. Unholy hope will keep you from moving forward in Christ Jesus. And unholy hope kept a generation 
from inheriting their promised land because they did not see the resistance coming and the first sign of resistance, they cowered down in fear. But now, now we find them 40 years later and their children find themselves once again standing at the door of the promised land ready to enter in. And if they're not careful, they might misinterpret what is about to happen because God's promises to our lives, they're not always a walk in the park. That's what we want it. That's the way we want it. That's what we expect sometimes, but God's promises are rarely a walk in the park. Sometimes they require some effort out of us, and sometimes we have to work for, God what, for, for what God wants us to have in our lives. Think about this. God blesses you with a job. When God blesses you with that job, you can't become lazy in that moment or you're going to lose that job, correct? Correct. When God blesses you with that job, now you have to do all things as you're doing it to the glory of God. And so now you have to put forth that effort. You have to work at that job. God blesses you with marriage. You remember that feeling that she's an angel sent from above. You remember that, right? What happens when she doesn't act like an angel? God sent you that knight in shining armor, right? At least that's what you used to think of him. But what happens when it's not shining anymore? Or maybe our children, you know, the Bible tells us that children are our heritage from the Lord, a gift from above. What happens when they, they act like they're straight out of the pits of hell? You know, what do we do in those moments? You can't stop parenting. You can't send them back. No, you've got to parent those kids. There's work involved. And, and, and anything worth having, it's worth working at, right? And as Christians, I believe sometimes we're misinformed. Sometimes we hear what we want to hear. And sometimes we expect life to be easy. And we feel so disappointed when it's not. We're disappointed in ourselves. We're disappointed in our circumstances. And sometimes we're even disappointed in God. Because it's not what we expected. God's promise may not be what we expected. And the promised land, as we're going to discover today... We're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 31. The promised land, it had more issues than what they were probably originally hoping for. When you hear the word promised land, I'm giving you this land, you're not thinking of, of all the circumstances that are going to come with that. And when they, when they got to that place 40 years earlier, they discovered that there were inhabitants in that land that were greater in number and, and greater in strength and in, in combat than what they were. And so the promised land had more issues than what they were originally hoping for. And what if the promise that God has for you requires you to put forth some effort? If I could say anything to you right now, it's time that Christians stop being lazy. God's putting promises out there and it's time that we get to work and we go take hold of what God has promised us. It's time that we go take hold of our families. It's time that we go take hold of our marriages. It's time that we go take hold of our careers. Now, this, this is going to sound, you know, like counterproductive to what I'm going to be teaching you in two weeks. Just understand that. When we get to our Sabbath series, there's a completely different mindset. But I'm letting you know we can't be lazy when it comes to the promises of God. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 31. I'm going to read quite a few verses today, so stay with me. We're going to start with verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 1. 
So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. Happy birthday, Moses. I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go Joshua will go over at your head, and the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Now listen to what he says here. This is important. Be strong and courageous. Will you say those words? Now watch how many times we're going to hear that phrase. Be strong and courageous and courageous do not fear or be in dread of them for it is the Lord your God who goes with you he will not leave you or forsake you then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel be strong and courageous will you say it again be strong and courageous for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to the to their fathers to give them and you shall put them in possession of it It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Now I want you to go to verse 23. Verse 23 says, And the Lord commissioned Joshua the son of Nun and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you. Now I want you to go over to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 1. It's the very next book in your Bible, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this, this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will, give, I will have given to you, just as I promised to Moses." From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man should be able to stamp before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and... Okay, you're not with me. You've got to stay with me. Say it again. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and... Ah, you're with me now. Be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I love what he says there. Don't miss that. He says, if you do this, you will make your way prosperous. You see, there's some effort involved. If you do this, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now verse 16. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us we will do. And wherever you send us we will go just as we obeyed Moses in all things so we will obey you. 
Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. There seems to be a theme happening here in case you didn't notice. Seven times we hear the words, be strong and courageous. The first time, it's Moses telling all of Israel. He has them all gathered together, and Moses tells them to be strong and courageous. The next time, it's Moses telling Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. Then the Lord tells uh, Joshua to be strong and courageous, and then he tells him again to be strong and courageous, and then again be strong and very courageous. And then he reminds him, he says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous and then the people are gathered around and they're saying listen we've been down this road before we're not going to make the same mistake again we are going to follow you whatever you command us to do Joshua we will do it we probably should have listened to you the first time and so the people look at Joshua and they tell him be strong and courageous seven times we read be strong and courageous and it's hard to to misinterpret a message like that right It's tough because when you hear someone telling you seven times, be strong and courageous, and one of those times, be strong and very courageous, when you hear them driving that point home, it's hard to hear what you want to hear. It's hard for you to misinterpret the, the, the message and the theme of what's going forth. And, and if you read it, if it, you understand that they are about to face something that is going to require great courage and great faith. There's no other way for them to possess this land except to be strong and courageous. And I believe that I figured out why it was said seven times. In Joshua chapter 3 and verse 10, The Bible says, today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, Amorites, and the Jebusites ahead of you. Here's what I want us to do. This is already interactive a little bit. Let's keep it going. You ready? As I name each one of them, I want you to number them off. Are you ready? He says, you will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Coincidence? I don't think so. Because with every battle, God was telling them and reminding them, you need to be strong and courageous. Not one, but you're going to face seven different enemies. And there's a purpose for each one of those battles that you'll have to go through. But if you'll be strong and you'll be courageous, if you will just stay steadfast with the Lord, if you'll put your faith in God and you will go into that battle knowing that you're going to win it, if you'll be strong and courageous, God will bring you through on the other side of this. Throughout God's word, the number seven is used to symbolize, to symbolize divine perfection or completeness. We read this in, in Genesis chapter one. In Genesis chapter one, God spends six days creating the heavens and the earth. And then at the beginning of chapter two, it says that he rested on the seventh day, signifying that he was finished. He was complete with creation. In 2 Kings chapter 5, we read of where Naaman, he had to wash seven times in the muddy Jordan River. 
river in order to be healed of leprosy. And after resisting, he finally did it, and God completely healed him. The first city that Israel would conquer in the promised land, this would have a strong spiritual significance for us. Joshua commanded them according to the marching orders of the Lord. He said, I want you to march around the walls of Jericho for seven days. One time each day. And then said, on the seventh day, I want you to march around that city seven times. And after they marched around that city seven times on the seventh day, the the seven priests blew seven trumpets. And through divine intervention, God gave them Jericho, which was complete victory. It's interesting to me, though, that the, the previous, the older generation... The things that they saw and the things that they witnessed, you would think that they would have had the faith to walk into that promised land because they had become accustomed to the miracles of God. Maybe that's why Moses was was so concerned with seeing the face of God because they were accustomed to the hand of God in their life. Think about it. They leave Egypt. Pharaoh and his army are in hot pursuit of them. They get to the Red Sea God tells Moses, you raise your staff, the sea is parted. They begin walking across on dry ground. There's a miracle. There's the hand of God moving in their lives. They walk across. The enemy is coming across the sea also on dry ground. And then he says, lower that staff. And when he does, Pharaoh's army is completely annihilated in the Red Sea. Remember when they they were hungry and God gave them manna from heaven? This was God moving in their lives on a daily basis. He was giving them manna from heaven. He he sent them quail when they got tired of of the bread from heaven. He sent them quail. And then there's the water from the rock. Hit the rock, Moses, and watch water come forth to quench their thirst. He would go before them as a cloud by day and a fire by night. These people were used to seeing God's mighty hand working in their life. Yet through all of that, they still did not have enough faith to believe God for the promised land. They were not strong and courageous they were weak and afraid and it's time that we as christians stop walking through life weak and afraid if you didn't say amen right there you're weak and afraid i said it's time that we stop walking through life weak and afraid that's what i thought but this new generation this new generation they did not grow up with the same experience You see, we think sometimes that if we could only see the hand of God move on a day-to-day basis, that that we would believe more, right? That we would have more faith. You have all the faith that you need in life. The Bible says that, that every man has a measure of faith, that God has given us a measure of faith. You've got all the faith that you need. Just the faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains is what Jesus said. You've got all the faith that you need. And just because you think that you need to see the hand of God moving every day in your life, if you believe that is going to build your faith, you're wrong because we watched a generation not have faith in God to take their promise. This new generation, they were between the ages of newborn to somewhere around 60 years old. I know that doesn't feel young to some of us in the room. The older I get, the more and more it feels young, right? But they were between the ages of zero to 60, and they did not experience the same move of of heaven as as the the people and the lives of the previous generation did. 
And that's why I believe it was so important to, to God for Moses to speak to that rock the second time. 39 years later, it was important for him to speak to that rock because this younger generation had an opportunity to grow in their faith. But instead, out of frustration, he hits the rock again. They, they've already seen that miracle. They've heard of that miracle. God was ready to do a new thing in their lives. They were primed. They were ready to see God move. Think about this generation, those that are ages 0 to 60. They knew death and wandering in the wilderness. That is what their lives consisted of. They just watched people die off, we'll bury them, and we'll just keep wandering in this wilderness. For 40 years, we'll just wander in this wilderness, and that's all that they knew. They, they had heard about the miracles, but this generation desperately needed to see God's hand working in their own generation. I reached that place in my own life. I had heard of God's miracles from my, my grandparents and from my parents, God-fearing people, and I had heard and heard and heard for years and years and years of what God had done in their generation. But I was ready to see God move in my generation. I became hungry to see what God wanted to do in my life and through my life and in my generation. And so now Moses is dead and Joshua is now in command. And they're ready to move into the land that was promised to their forefathers. Now think about this. They should have been born on that land. They should have been raised on that land. They should have been able to raise their families on that land. They've been cheated. For 40 years they've been cheated out of, out of what was rightfully theirs. But they refused to allow the disappointment of the previous generation to delay their destiny. I don't care who's let you down. Don't let whoever has disappointed you in life keep you from reaching what God has for your life. Delay did not mean denial. That means a detour could not keep them out. Yes, we may have been on a 40-year detour, but, but you know what? When we get back to that threshold... This time, we're, we're moving forward. We're going to go take that land. And it's kind of like this. It's the difference between kids that have life handed to them on a silver platter and kids that have to go through life working for everything. This next generation, they had to go through life working for everything. God was handing that, that, that older generation the promised land on a silver platter, but they wouldn't trust him. And so now this younger generation, now the second group that is standing there, they are refusing to allow a previous generation from keeping them going in and taking control of what God has promised them. And they entered into this promised land ready for battle. And these people, they were strong and they were courageous. It's an amazing story. We don't have time to get into all the scriptures today, but just let me give you kind of a summary just here for a moment. God miraculously gives them Jericho. We just talked about that. They march around the walls of Jericho, and they didn't even have to raise a finger to fight. It, it was the, the, the most unorthodox battle plan you've ever heard of, but God miraculously gave them that city. Then they, they come to the Canaanite city of Ai, and yeah, one man in, in the camp, he decides to get a little stingy and, and, and keep some things from Jericho, and God teaches 
teaches them a lesson in the first battle of AI, but the next battle out, they completely trust God and they get rid of the, the, the one guy that caused the problems, the curse is, is left behind. They get into this city, God gives them the city of AI and their caravan, these people, thousands upon thousands of them, they keep pushing forward and they keep conquering new territory, leaving a remnant of the Hebrew nation behind at every area that they, they conquer because they're not there just to, just to conquer. They're not there just to destroy. They're there to inhabit the land. And so they, they just leave a, a remnant here and a remnant there. They are inhabiting that land. The tribe of Simeon, they were the first ones to settle in the promised land. And, and, and they built secure walls. Uh, and, and then they would build altars there because they're, they're bringing their, their religion, which is more than just religion to them. They are bringing God with them and their worship of God into a promised land. Next, the tribe of Judah, they, they would settle just south of Jericho. And, and everywhere that they went, they would leave just a group of people behind to settle that land. They continue pushing inward and upward, and, and they're claiming everything in their path, and God is fighting battles for them. At each city conquered, the army downsized as they continue to settle in their, their new homeland. But the size of their army, it failed in comparison to the size of their faith. That's what was winning these victories for them. They were strong and they were courageous. They were strong and they were very courageous. And every time they entered into battle, they knew that God was fighting for them. Be strong and courageous. It's not an issue of fear. It's an affirmation of faith. Be strong and courageous is a call to bring out God's best in people. You see, when you operate in that kind of faith, you will never fail in life. When you learn to be strong and courageous in God, there is not one battle that you will ever lose in your life, but you have to learn to trust Him. Be strong and courageous. It brings out God's best in people. And when you are strong and courageous in the Lord, you're not relying on your own ability and you admit to that. But you're not afraid to go and take, take claim of what's yours. Now, one of the most amazing parts of this whole story to me, now we've got them in the promised land, right? We've got them there. But one of the most amazing parts of this, and I did not realize this until our recent trip to Israel. When they got to their land, God had used their enemy to work the land before they ever got there. I don't know if you're starting to realize the significance of this on your life yet or not. You see, sometimes we look at the promises of God and, and we either, A, we want God just to hand it all to us and we don't want to put forth any effort at all, or B, God... Let me put it like this, because I don't want to be offensive to someone. We either want God to hand it all to us, or once we get there, we want to act like God has nothing to do with it at all, and, and then we just want to just sound like it's, 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 it's all on me, and you want to start taking glory for that. Remember I told you last week, Moses and Aaron, they got into that sin, didn't they? Do you want us to bring water from this rock? Be careful in everything that you do. 
And everything that you say, it, the glory goes to God in this. They walked into this promised land. And the ground has already been tilled for them. The crops are already growing. When our tour guide looked at us and he said, these vineyards that you see all around, there are vineyards everywhere. He said, these date all the way back to the Philistines. He said, before Israel was ever here, the Philistines were, were growing vineyards. When they walked into the promised land, crops are growing, vineyards are growing. Some of the people, the Bible says that God would, would go before them and God would drive them out of that land before Israel could even get there. So Israel just walked in, and, and I'm, I'm sure they're thinking, man, the word is spreading about us because people don't even want to fight us. They just take off, and they would leave their livestock behind. So you're walking into your promised land, and the ground's already been worked for you. You're walking into your promised land, and there, there's cattle left behind for you, sheep, it has to be one of the most amazing experiences when you walk into your promise and God has allowed your enemy to do all the work for you. Because there's no better steak than eating the cow that your enemy fed, right? Maybe that's what the psalmist meant in the 23rd Psalm in verse 5 when he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. They went from eating manna and quail to steak, vegetables seasoned with herbs, and for dessert, berries and melons. They went from struggling to find water to deep spring wells all over their nation. Life completely changed for them in the wilderness there was this desire to return to Egypt time and time again. They always said, you know, why would God bring us out here for us to die if we had only stayed in Egypt? And they had this desire to go back to Egypt. But once in the promised land, they had a desire. That desire was replaced with a desire to take ownership of what God was providing for them and what God had promised them. You see, coming out of, of Egypt was a, a welfare mentality, right? But, but, Stepping into the promised land, we never once hear them say, man, if we could just go back to Egypt. No, once they were in that promised land, their mindset changed completely, and they no longer had a welfare mentality. Now they had a work ethic that couldn't be stopped. And they began taking over that entire nation, that entire area, everywhere that they stepped, just as God promised them, it would become theirs. Now think about this with me, church. Your divine detour might be developing a different work ethic in you when it comes to the promises of God. I think it's time for some of us to stop sitting back and waiting on God to hand us everything. God says, listen, my promise to you is you step forward in faith and I'll give it to you.
Everywhere you put your foot. Matter of fact, what God said to them was, everywhere you step, I've already given it to you. It's time for God's people to start acting like God's people. It's time for us to say, you know what? I'm not going to cower down anymore. I'm not going to run in fear anymore. I'm going to take what's mine. I, God, if you promised me a healthy marriage, then, then I'm going to take a healthy marriage. That's what I'm going to get out of this. God, if you promised me children that are obedient, then, then I'm going to take children that are obedient. It means you might have to take your belt off every once in a while, right? Oh, let's don't get into that. I don't think any of you are ready for that yet. That's a whole different... Take some hide while I take my children back, right? Oh, only the good parents in the room are laughing right now. It requires a step of faith in order to possess the promise that God has given you. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat, right? Ask, and it shall be given. Knock, and the door will be opened. Seek, and you will find. You do something. And watch what God does. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.